Hello, this is Dan Bender, executive producer of the Singles Podcasting Network. Today, I'm excited to present Single Living, a podcast that brings you straight talk on everything that concerns today's singles, including relationships, dating, travel, and financial security. Single Living is hosted by Rich Goss, a well-respected expert in the singles industry. He is the author of eight books on dating and has lectured on the subject in over 50 colleges and universities. Rich is frequently interviewed by the news media, including Oprah, CNN, Fox News, and the Wall Street Journal, to name just a few. And now, here's the host of Single Living, Rich Goss. My guest today is Allison Blackman Dunham, also known as Advice Sister Allison, and author of the Everything Dating Book, and also co-author of Recruiting Love, Using the Business Skills You Have to Find the Love You Want. Welcome, Allison. Hi, Rich. It's great to be on your show. Well, how has dating changed over the past few decades? Well, I think there are some very important things that have made dating very different. The most obvious one is technology. Uh, when I was dating, uh, we didn't have the Internet or PDAs or cell phones or text messaging or the like, but all of these new technological advances make it easier to connect with people. On the other hand, it also makes difficulties for people who are dating because uh, cloaked in the anonymity of the Internet or through text messaging, people, it can be very alienating and people don't really know dating behind a machine's monitor if somebody is for real until it's too late. And in the long run, I think the only way to know if someone is going to be right for you is to get out there the old-fashioned way and see the entire package in person. On the other hand, the other important thing that has happened is that younger people don't tend to do formal dating. This Everything Dating book that I wrote really is for people who are going to plan to actually do what we consider a traditional date, where somebody asks someone out and they do something and decide if they want to be together again. Kids don't do this. They tend to hang out a lot more. So the kind of dating that people do who are younger requires different kinds of social skills. Can we talk a little bit about that, Allison, the younger people and, and the dating that they do? I know they tend to hang out in groups, as you say, and they really don't have a formal date. So how do you single somebody out from the herd and let them know that you're interested in having a one-on-one -on -one special relationship with them? Well, the way I see it, it's a good way to enjoy a whole group's company without the stress, actually, of going on a formal date. Yes. And my understanding is that when people hang out in a group, eventually people do pair off or peel off and find somebody <laughs> else. But it gives them a chance to see their friends or their potential partners in a relaxed setting. So I don't necessarily think for younger people who have the time to hang out that that's a bad thing. The problem is if you're a busy adult, hanging out with your friends is something you probably had to give up between driving your kids around or dealing with your elderly parents or staying late at the office or doing a number of other things. Right. So for older people, and by older I guess we're talking about people over 40, would that be a good uh, demarcation? I would say age 35 is pretty much it. Okay, well let's concentrate on dating for people over age 35. So they're trying to adjust to the new dating mores. Uh, they're seeing all these kids hang around in groups and dating in a totally different way with the text messaging and, and the computers and the online dating and the speed dating. Uh, isn't it a little bit bewildering, a little bit frightening to singles over 35 to enter the new dating world? 
I think it is. And that's why you've given me a perfect introduction to say that the book I've just written, the Everything Dating Book, gives older adults, or at least people over, let's say, age 35, a little bit of everything they're going to want to know to get through a search for love. I just saw a TV commercial yesterday where some guy is breaking up with his girlfriend and she says, you're never going to grow up. And he holds open his cell phone and plays like a breakup song. And she kind of walks <laughs> away. I mean, that isn't something that older people tend to do. Right. I think it is bewildering. But on the other hand, most people are using one or all of the new technologies at home or at work or both. They've got cell phones. They've got text messaging. They've got personal PDAs or Blackberries. They use computers mostly. And in the Everything Dating book, I was asked to write a specific chapter on online dating which, by the way, I think is a great way to get back in the dating game, but I wouldn't rely on it exclusively, particularly if you're over age 35. There is a story they would not let me put in the book, so I guess your listeners are going to get an exclusive from me. Well, we're lucky then. Go ahead ahead and tell us that story. (laughs) I've been married for 14 years, and I've known my husband for 20. So you can pretty much do the math and realize that I didn't find him through online dating or speed dating or any of these things. So I took my real photo with my real name and my real interest, and I filled out a number of profiles as best I could. I'm a writer, so I think I did a pretty good job. And I put them on a number of the larger matching websites, online dating sites. I won't mention them, but big ones. I put my real age. I didn't get any responses except from men who were over 75 who said, (laughs) I'm looking for someone to take care of me, and I have all my teeth, and I'm a lively dancer. So I took my same picture, and I lowered my age another 10 years. I still didn't get a lot, (laughs) so I lowered it to 30. I don't know how anyone would believe I'm 30. If you go to my website, you'll see my real picture. Clearly, I'm not that young, but I got lots of responses. The moral of this, particularly for women who are over age 35, is not that you couldn't do online dating, but if there are 500,000 singles on an online dating site, and, you know, 499,000 won't date someone your age, then it's not a good choice for you. And I think that the way to get around that is to simply pick online dating sites that are more selective or directed more towards your age group. Because, you know, I, I hate to say this, but a lot of men in their 30s, 40s, and 50s are looking for a second childhood. They either want a new family or they want someone to take care of the family they have, or they're looking for a mommy to take care of them. And, you know, there are plenty of great people out there who aren't looking for that. But I think that's a challenge for people who are over 40. And I guess the lesson I learned is be yourself. Don't try to be mutton dressed as a lamb or lie about your age, but target your search to where you're going to find people who are interested in people like you. There's no point going to a dating site where most of the people are 20s to 30s if you're 50 or 60 or even 40. Exactly. You know, Evan Mark Katz is another author that I interviewed for the Singles Podcasting Network, and uh, he says he's gotten into a lot of trouble with some people because he gives them the same advice he told you. He told the women that uh, if they were beyond a certain age that they would have to use a different age on their online profiles, otherwise they just wouldn't get the response they want because the men that go into these online dating services have an age range in their mind of what they're looking for. If you're beyond that age range, you have absolutely no chance of getting a response from him. So if you 
you want to get any kind of major play on any of these uh, dating websites, you have to fudge a little bit about your age. And he says, as soon as you contact somebody, the first thing you tell them is, hey, that's not my true age, but I had to say it in order to get any kind of response at all. I, I got to tell you, I totally, utterly disagree with that. The premise of my first book and this Everything Dating book is that you do not play games. If you start a relationship out saying, well, ha, ha, I kind of lied to you to hook you in, you've already started on, a, on an uneven playing field. You're being deceitful and you're putting someone off. I don't think that's the way to handle it, not whatsoever. I think that really you need to use your head to guide your heart. And there is somebody for everyone. I have a quick story that might give women out there some hope because I'm also a woman and I know that to hear someone say you have to lie is not something that I want to do. Yes. There's a college professor I know who's out in California, and he is a really good-looking man, and he has a new wife who's a Ph.D., and she's about his age, and they're over 50. But he told me that when he got divorced, the first thing he did was date everything that moved in a skirt that was under age 20. <laughs> and one day he said, you know, I've had enough of the Chiquitas, and I'm looking for a real woman. And I said, what made you change your mind? And he sighed, and he said, I'm tired of hearing their music. <laughs> it's a true story. Right. But the fact of the matter is that if a man wants to date a 20-year-old and you're a 40-year-old looking for a man who wants you, you don't want to date that man. I don't care how great looking he is or how rich. If he doesn't want you, you don't want him. Right. And the whole point of dating is to find the person you want who wants you back. In fact, one of the things that I would say to listeners is that one of the biggest mistakes that people make in dating is that they assume it's a process of selection. But it isn't. It's really a process of elimination. Yes. Maybe then eventual selection, because you're judging others and they're judging you. And obviously not everybody you meet is going to pan out as a potential partner. So you eliminate people and they eliminate you until you find the one who you want, who really, really wants you back. And that's really not to go and start your relationship out with games or lies or camouflage. It's just not the way to do it. I think people need to date better, not smarter. We'll talk a little bit about that, Allison. How can people date better? Okay, good question. The first thing is that I don't think that busy adults should do what is called bulk dating. That is, going out with everything that moves or anything that asks you. Yes. Adults are busy. So they shouldn't just date anyone. It's just an energy-draining experience. Ask yes. anyone who's doing it. Right. Singles should date smart and not a lot. So knowing what you want and what you have to offer and what you need in return and being honest about it and having a plan to follow to get to your goal and being organized, just like any other goal in life, that works a lot better and it's a lot more satisfying. So I think it's important to use your head. It's the sexiest part of your body. It really, truly is. I wish that I could convince singles that a short skirt and a lot of lipsticks or, you know, a fancy car isn't really in the long run. It might get you attention, but it isn't going to get you lasting love. And with a rising divorce rate, do you want a relationship or do you want something that's going to stick? That's the question you have to ask yourself. It's kind of like Alice and all those women who go out and dye their hair blonde thinking that blondes have more fun. And, of course, every study that I've ever read about uh, the kind of woman that the average man wants to meet in America says that most men prefer brunettes. And yet these They're women more approachable, think, that's absolutely true. <laughs> right, and, and yet all these women dye their hair blonde, even though there's absolutely no scientific evidence to support the contention that blondes do have more fun. They do get more attention. 
I think redheads have the most fun. So <laughs> well, I there think you it go. should be who you are. I think if blonde suits you and it makes you feel sexy and attractive, you should do that. You should never, ever play those kinds of games to get a man or conversely for a man to get a woman. Dropping names or wearing flashy clothes or dyeing your hair, these are externals in the long run. Thank heavens. People really stick together because of the things that are intrinsic to their partner, things like trust and similar values. And the, the number one thing most men say attract them to a woman is not her, you know, boobs or her legs or her ass. It's her smile and then her yes. eyes and right. then that they make she makes them laugh. And this is absolutely true. Um, I can't quote the studies that I've pulled this out of my head from right now, but there are many, many of them. It isn't what most people think, particularly for older adults. I think that the idea of going back into the dating scene, you know, maybe you've put on some weight or maybe you haven't changed your clothes for a while or maybe your social skills are a little rusty because mostly formal dating is all about social skills. You know, it's not magic. It's the kinds of things you need to be successful in life in general, conversational skills and good etiquette and compassion for others and respect and being a good listener. All of these things are important, and I'm sure that some of your listeners are going to say, Eh, everybody knows that stuff. Well, let me tell you, they do not. I cannot tell you how many people I've worked with who really think it's okay to go directly from the gym to a date without changing or who sit and brush their teeth or worse, sit on the toilet and they really think people don't hear them or they don't (laughs) communicate the time that they're going to make a date with someone and then both of them feel stood up. It happens over and over again. Yes. People really need to know the basics, and if they're not connecting with the right people or they've been out of the dating scene for a long time, they absolutely positively need a, a primer, and everything that they do for their dating search will be good for them as far as their careers and their other relationships in life as well. Well, I guess this is a real good commercial for the Everything Dating Book, because that's what your <laughs> book is all about, is dating etiquette. You know, it's not just dating etiquette. One of the things is that people don't really know what they're looking for. They say they do, but if you ask them, they say, oh, I want somebody who's well-built or, you know, I want someone with lots of money. Well, that may be true, but those are not the things that really tie people together. So the book starts with actually when you're thinking about getting started, either renewing a dating search that's not working or starting up a new one if you haven't been in the dating scene for a while and going through what to look for, how to evaluate your own needs, how to focus your search. We even have a couple of chapters about image, for instance, how you make a statement about your sense of style without being, going off the deep end. And then really talking about the art of the date, which is really the art of social interaction. Then narrowing down the possibilities, dealing with rejection, figuring out when you are a couple, and then all those first as a couple, and then beyond, taking yourself off the market and keeping romance alive forever. So it is literally everything dating. Well, let's focus on some of those issues that that you just raised. For example, one big question I always hear from the women, who should pay on a first date? Well, in the old days, and if a man is over a certain age, he probably will insist on paying. But in fact, in the new modern world of dating for adults, the person who asks is the one that pays. If it's the woman, and women should ask men out, I definitely advocate that. It's time that we did that, then the woman pays. Or if the man wants to pay his half and they want to go Dutch, that's okay. But there has to be a give and take. 
What this does is it levels the playing field. Even though men still traditionally make more money, a date isn't supposed to be expensive. A date is an exchange of information so that you can get to know each other. And you can do that quite well at a sandwich shop or at a coffee bar or in the park. You don't have to go to a five-star restaurant to do it. So really, it's the person who has asked who pays. There will be some cases, particularly with elderly men, where they simply can't abide the fact of a woman paying because they're very old-fashioned. In that case, the woman, if she likes the man, will reciprocate in another way. She might say, oh, next time I'll bring a picnic or something that he would accept. So basically what I'm saying is a give and take, and then a woman never hears at the end of the night from some jerk, hey, I bought you a steak, you know, (laughs) now sleep with me. And speaking of sleeping, when should people have sex if they are in a romantic relationship? (laughs) That's a highly personal thing. I would say that one of the issues that adults face is that they've been in relationships before. If they're not dating as teenagers, they probably already had sex. They might have a couple of children. And the common wisdom of some men, not all, is, well, look, don't play coy with me. After all, you've had sex with your husband or your other boyfriends or whatever. You know, you're not young. I really think that the decision to have an intimate relationship with someone has to be mutual, and it doesn't matter if it happens on the first date or on the 50th date, as long as it's something that the couple can agree on. Nobody ever should be pressured into having some sort of intimacy, even a kiss that they don't want. Call me old-fashioned, but these are exchanges of physical affection that you give as a gift, and no one should try to steal them from you, and anyone who does doesn't care about you. And I would not date that person again. Allison, your first book, Recruiting Love, Using the Business Skills You Have to Find the Love You Want, uh, obviously is making an analogy with the business world. How does the dating world uh, parallel the business world? Well, it's very close. And by the way, I want to add that this book was actually the subject of a Sex in the City episode, one where really? Charlotte decides she needs to take a more business-like and organized approach to her love search. And it was the first book of its kind to suggest that a search for love and a job hunt are so similar that you can use the same skills and experiences that you use for success in one with the other. The thing is, when you go out, if you think about what it's like when you go on a job interview or you're looking for a job, let's look from the job seeker's point of view. First, you have to figure out what you want. Then you have to figure out if you've got the right assets and not too many of the liabilities to get what you want. Then you have to go and you have to apply. That means going to singles things or being matched up with people or going online and dating or whatever. Then when you get responses, just like going to a job interview, you meet for some sort of a date or a connection. And that's basically like a job interview too. You're exchanging information. Dating is, it can be fun and romantic, but it's actually the way you make a connection with someone to see if you would like to be with them, and the real fun and romance comes after you found that special someone, not, and you're sharing picnics and looking at the sunset and so forth. I mean, very few people put themselves out in the meat market to date because they love it. They uh-huh. do it because they want to meet someone and stop dating and enjoy a personal relationship with that special person. So if you think about, while it sounds unromantic to kind of go about dating as you would a job search, in fact... Dates and the interview process for a job are very, very similar. In most cases, it's a process of elimination until the employer and the employee decide they're right for each other and they want to pursue the connection. And it's no different with dating. You'll date a lot of people who are sort of right or not right at all until you finally find one or two who are potentials and then find the one that you want to be with who wants you back. And sometimes even that doesn't work and you have to just start your search again. 
but hopefully not if you've done it right. Allison, where do you meet all these people to date? Because uh, the number one hot button I come across with singles over 40 is they say, you know, I can't go to a bar. I'm too old for those kinds of things. You know, I feel out of place. Where does a single person over 40 go to meet potential dating partners? Well, I'll tell you, people over 70 are meeting them at funerals. But (laughs) 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 Uh, That's a good question. And again, it's really a kind of a personal choice. There are so many places you can go from the traditional bars and singles parties and progressive dinners to brand new things like online dating and speed dating. But I'll tell you, I think that the best way to meet somebody is to do things that you like. So maybe I always felt that volunteering is great if you have the time. But even if you don't, you know, if you put yourself out there in the larger world, you go to an art museum or you go to an opening or you play sports or you, whatever it is, you take your children to the playground because you're a single parent. I mean, you will meet people who are like-minded there and you'll be enjoying yourself while you do it, which again takes, sort of like the kids who hang out, it takes the pressure off you. There is no point in going to a tennis camp for four weeks if you loathe tennis, because you're going to meet a tennis player, and he's going to want to play tennis, or she's going to want to play tennis, and you're going to be miserable. So it's important to do the things that you like and incorporate those into your daily schedule. That being said, if you do one social activity a week that's targeted, you'll still have better luck than if you sit in a bar on Friday nights, although people do meet in bars too. They certainly do. They did a study of 3,000 singles for a book, And uh, they asked people, how do you meet most of your romantic partners? And the number one answer was through friends. That was 33% of all romantic relationships. And interestingly enough, the second most common way that those 3,000 singles were meeting their romantic partners was in a bar. So bars do work for some people, and you you shouldn't overlook that. It's just another way to meet people. I think you need to try, when you're first starting out, if you're re-entering the search for love after a long time, or if your search isn't working, I think the best thing to do is try a little bit of everything. And in the Everything Dating book, we sort of outline all the possibilities that you could do. Try a little bit of everything. If you don't like something, then you don't have to do it again, but at least you've tried it. And then by process of elimination, you'll figure out the things that you do like that are going to work for you. And the formula isn't the same for everyone. The one thing that you need to do is be aware of what you're looking for when you go out there. If you go to a bar... You know, it's very visual. It's hard to hear. Sometimes people are drunk. People look a lot better between the sheets the night before than they do in the morning (laughs) over coffee. And, you know, these kinds of things you have to be aware of. On the other hand, if you have a good sense before you walk out the door of the kinds of people that you are looking for, the types you want, what you will accept and what you won't accept, uh, then you'll be able to narrow down your possibilities. I'm not suggesting that people be so super picky that if the guy wears white socks or she has red hair that you don't date them again. But there are very specific must-haves and non-negotiables in everybody's life. For instance, if you are Carrie Bradshaw and you love the city, going out to Montana to live on a ranch or or run a pig farm is probably not going to make you happy, even if the guy is great. So it's important to know what it is that you're willing to accept, not just in terms of intrinsic qualities, but also in lifestyle. And these things take planning. Sure. What would you say is the biggest mistake that singles make while they're seeking a romantic partner? The biggest mistake? I think the biggest mistake is that they confuse dating with romance, honestly. They think that dating is going to be fun and romantic, but dating isn't entertainment. As I said before, it's a means to an end of exchange of information 
The real romance only comes after you've met someone you really like. Not when you're sitting for the 90th time at a coffee bar with a guy going blah, 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 and you're not interested. Or a woman who talks only about herself and you're not interested. I mean, I really think that's the biggest mistake. They think dating is entertainment. It's not. It's a means to an end, just like any other goal. I mean, job hunting isn't fun either, but if you do it right, you can make your life a lot better. And, and what are some of the other mistakes that you see singles making out there? Well, I think that people tend to stereotype people and they don't give them enough of a chance. Yes. I mean, the guy who you meet, for instance, at a bar who's tongue-tied yes. or says something stupid like some pickup line that turns your stomach may really <laughs> be a nice guy who's just nervous. Yes. Not everybody has the greatest social skills. Right. I mean, our book, the Everything Dating book, discusses how you can make a first contact, but not everybody does it well. So I haven't said men and women out there, give each other a chance. Just right. because somebody wears a shirt you don't like or yes. doesn't like action movies doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to make a perfectly wonderful relationship with that person. On the other hand, after you've exchanged some information with this person or gone out with them once or twice, if it's clear that they're not for you, then it's time to move on. You know, it's amazing to me, Allison, how superficial single people can be. You know, I, I talk to women who say, well, gee, you know, this guy I went out with last night, he had on polyester, my God. And, <laughs> and they act as if that's the end of the world. Like, you know, this guy could be the greatest guy in the history of the world, but because he wears polyester, he's automatically out. I think that people get very bitter and jaded during dating searches, particularly if they're ongoing for a long period of time. It's just human nature to get frustrated, which is why I say that if you date smart and not a lot, you have a better success rate, and you'll be more satisfied with the people you meet. Uh, but it does take a long time to meet somebody. It's like any other goal. You have to work at it, and you have to make adjustments, and you have to deal with setbacks. If you're not willing to do that, you'll end up with someone, maybe, but maybe not the person you're really meant to be with. And I truly believe that people have soulmates, and more than one. So if you go after them, you know, once you have someone special in your life, there's no feeling like it all on earth, and everybody deserves to feel that. Who wants to feel that? By the way, the other mistake people make, in my opinion, is that there are a lot of men and women over a certain age who swear they're desperate, desperate to get married or to have children or what, whatever, to connect with someone. And when you really scratch the surface, they're set in their ways. They like their lives the way they are. They don't want to be alone, but they don't mind being single. And what you find if you scratch a little further quite often is that there's some family member or friend whining, when are you going to get married? I want to hold yes. my grandchild. And I mean, this kind of stuff is really torture for the average single who is a commitment foe. If you see somebody who's a commitment foe, that's often the reason why, because they truly don't want to be connected to someone that way. I mean, they may not want to be alone. <laughs> right. One last question, Allison. How can people get a hold of you? Ah, good question, too. I have a website, the Advice Sisters Great Relationships website, and it's advicesisters.net, which is A-D-V-I-C-E-S-I-S-T-E-R-S, advicesisters.net. The website has lots of free articles and columns. We have a signature double-take head and heart kind of way to look at questions. We have beauty review columns, we have forums, we have chat, we have all sorts of things that people might want to take advantage of. Almost all of them are free except for online dating and coaching, and you can find that on the website as well if you're interested in having me deal with you privately online. And you can also buy both books through 
the Advice Sisters, and I will personally sign them for you if you do. Excellent. I'd like to thank my guest, Allison Blackman Dunham. Single Living is a production of the Singles Podcasting Network in San Rafael, California. If you have any comments or suggestions about single living, feel free to email us at comments at singlespodcastingnetwork.com. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, this is your host, Rich Goss. Mm-hmm.